Epiphany Church in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, laid down in grief, but I woke with the key to hell on that day, the firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ laid. Welcome to Epiphany's Sunday Sermons, a podcast ministry of Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Our church exists to help people discover and rediscover the love of God in the Christian gospel. To learn more about our church, visit our website at epiphanyligonier.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your presence with us through your Holy Spirit. And we remember and celebrate and honor the day of Pentecost today. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to be receptive to what your Holy Spirit would teach us today. And I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this is Pentecost Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays of the church year. Um, I grew up mainly in the Baptist church, and we did not celebrate Pentecost. Uh, And, uh, you know, I just really, upon becoming Anglican, am so appreciative of the church calendar. And uh, one of my first memories of Pentecost was that I attended Trinity Washington Church in Washington, Pennsylvania. And on Pentecost, they did a processional and a person was carrying on a big stick up to the ceiling, uh, kind of like a little kite, and it had a dove on the end of it. And that person was waving uh, the dove. It was fluttering back and forth and I was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. You know, it was a visual picture of, uh, of Pentecost. And um, we wear red on Pentecost, uh, which we don't wear very often. Uh, the color red, the colors of, of Pentecost are also the colors of Good Friday, of Palm Sunday, and they are also uh, the colors that are worn whenever a priest is ordained. Um, I am going to tie in Pentecost with my sermon this morning, but I actually am going to speak on uh, Psalm 145, and I wanted to read that for you, and I want you to listen very carefully. Uh, It's tied to Psalm 104, but Psalm 145 has a lot more meat to it. I use Psalm 145 very often in my ministry uh, as a hospice chaplain. I read this many, many times to people, and it's very comforting. And so I've chosen to speak on that this morning, uh, and we're going to talk about praising God. If you'll notice in the, uh, the reading from Acts and then also in the Psalm reading, if you look in your bulletins, uh, it said that the people, whenever the Holy Spirit came upon them, that uh, they were telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. 
They were praising God. And then in Psalm 104, across the page, it says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. So that is really the essence of what praising God is. And I decided to preach on praise because not only do I use this psalm, but I needed help. <laughs> I needed a reminder of how to praise God. And so I'm going to read Psalm 145, and I want you to hear, because I'm going to talk about the difference between praise and thanksgiving, and I want you to, in your mind, because I'm going to ask you later in the sermon, to tell me what are some of the things that we praise God for. It's different from thanking God. All right. So we praise him for his mighty works. We praise him for his marvelous works. So as you're listening to this, I want you to think, okay, pick out one of those. Don't pick the same one that somebody else is picking. <laughs> and uh, think, what is a work that the psalmist, in this case, this is David writing, what is a praise? All right, so listen carefully. It says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. See, there's that word again. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open wide your hand and satisfy the needs of every living creature. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Well, as I said, I chose this psalm because I needed a reminder myself of how to praise God, what you do when you praise God. And so Psalm 145 is 
both a culmination and an introduction. It's an exquisite conclusion to David's 75 psalms in the Psalter, and it's also a doorway to the five final psalms known as the Hallelujah Psalms, whose authors are anonymous. Psalm 145 through 150 all begin and end with the word Hallelujah, which is translated as praise, Hallel, or Hallelujah, the Lord, Yah, a shortened form of Yahweh. So this psalm is a psalm not only rich in content, but Psalm 145 is a majestic acrostic. Every letter of this psalm, uh, or every verse, begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 21 verses in the psalm. There are 22 letters to the Hebrew alphabet. One of them is left out, and I'll tell you about that a little later. So today we're going to focus on three aspects of praising God. First, we're going to examine how praise is different from thanksgiving. Second, we will look at what praise is not. And lastly, we'll see that praising God is a practice that must be cultivated. In Scripture, Christians are commanded to both thank God and praise God in ways that leave us little excuse for not doing it. I mean, with what we read of the psalm today and what we heard from Psalm 145, it must have said ten times, praise God for his mighty deeds, his mighty acts, his mighty works. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Psalm 156 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our second Eucharistic prayer says as a response to the celebrant, it is right to give him thanks and praise. Okay? So since they're coupled together in our liturgy, are they the same thing? Can I switch out the words in Psalm 150 and mean the same thing by saying, let everything that has breath thank the Lord. Well, in a word, no. There are subtle but important differences between the two actions. Mainly, thanks focuses on benefits that God gives to us, but praise focuses on the character of God and our love for him. We are to thank God for our blessings as we would thank the people in our lives who bless us. Thanking someone personally or writing a note is a small but important recognition that someone has enriched our lives in some way. And even if they say, ah, it was nothing, or ah, don't mention it, most people still like to have their kindness uh, acknowledged. Even, uh, whoops, so, for example, I could say thank you to my friend for fixing a delicious meal, which she often does when I go to visit her. But if I said, Susan, you are a wonderful cook, always trying out new dishes. You take simple ingredients and make them taste divine. Now that's praise. It's one thing to thank Susan for cooking a meal. 
but it's another thing to praise her for her character, her abilities, her attributes. Even though most people say they don't want praise emotionally, they like recognition for who they are rather than for what they have done because it speaks to the essence of our person. And apparently it's the same way for God. Now, what are some of the things that I mentioned there in Psalm 145 that God, that uh, David was praising God for? Do you remember some of those? I told you I was going to ask you. <laughs> okay, he's faithful to his promises. All right. Okay, his compassion. There were lots of them. Okay, his righteousness. His mighty acts. His mighty acts. Oh, you learned that, didn't you? <laughs> his mighty acts, yes. Oh, oh, there you go. She looked it up on her phone. Ah, she's cheating. That's good, though. That's great. I meant to print out uh, a copy of Psalm 145 to hand out, but, you know, it just completely slipped my mind. Uh, there are many, many things here. Uh, it starts out by saying, I'm going to praise you for your wonderful works. I'll praise you for your mighty acts. I'll praise you for your marvelous deeds. And then it lists them. It says your kingdom's an everlasting kingdom. The Lord lifts up those who have fallen. Uh, he's near to those who call upon him. See, it's focused on God, not on me. Now I can say... Thank you, Lord, that you answer my prayer. But when I say, oh, God, you are a God who answers prayer. Can you see that little difference there? We praise God when we focus on his character, on his attributes. Both thanksgiving and praise are commanded by God in Scripture and are vitally important to keep doing as a part of a vibrant relationship with God. Uh, a work colleague years ago once told me that on her wedding night, her husband said to her, I want to tell you now that I love you, but don't expect to be hearing it from me all the time because I think it's stupid that people feel the need to say I love you over and over again. Well, needless to say, their marriage was having its difficulties. Uh, when I knew this particular person. Both thanksgiving and praise bring us closer to God, but thanksgiving ultimately focuses on us, while praise ultimately focuses on God. Praise is worship and adoration for who God is. Second, Praise is not a way of finessing God. You know what I mean by that? Uh, it, it's not a way of buttering God up so that we're going to get what we want. Nor does it change or add anything to who God is. Our praise does not make God better. I think God commands us to praise so often in the Bible because he is pure and unchangeable without any chance of being emotionally tricked. 
Uh, a friend of mine went to a wives' retreat back in the 80s uh, when all the focus was about how to build up your husband's ego. Did any of you ever go on a retreat like that? No, nobody did. Okay, maybe it was just in the churches that I was in, but they would have these retreats and it was for wives to, to learn how to be a better wife and then they would have a husband's retreat to learn how to be a, a better husband. And so anyway, my friend Debbie decided to come home and try out some of these suggestions as to how to pump up her husband's sense of masculinity. So she handed him a jar and said, could you open this for me, honey? It's just too hard for me. Sure, he replied, you know, and then she felt his upper arm and said, you're so strong. And his chest began to swell and he was feeling a little like Superman and then he stopped and he turned to his wife and said, you learned that at that retreat, didn't you? <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Unfortunately, as humans, praise can be easily corrupted into something not genuine in order to get our own way or to cushion bad news. My boss called me into her office the other day and I was walking in the door. She said, that's a beautiful sweater, Claire. Well, I didn't think this sweater was anything special, but right after, she told me I would have to start taking on another responsibility that she knew that I really didn't want to do. So I don't know. Did she like my sweater? Or was it just a way of kind of cushioning what was to come? And I wondered afterwards. C.S. Lewis said, only in acts of worship and praise can a person learn to believe in the goodness and greatness of God? God wants us to praise him, not because he needs or craves in any sense our flattery, but because he knows that praise creates joy in us. Praise is not something we do to get God's approval so that he will grant our desires. When we praise God, we are changed even if our circumstances are not. While God is present everywhere, he is present in a special way when his people praise him. So when we say, for example, Psalm 145, the Lord is good to all, we not only state a truth about God, but we really start to believe it. Even when we're struggling, we have formed in us the certainty that God is good to me. When we tell God, I praise you because you are a God who raises up all who are bowed down, my heart is shaped toward looking up when discouraging things happen. I read the story of a missionary who was establishing a ministry in another country and the work was not going very well. He was getting ready to pack his bags and return to the States when his wife said, why don't you pray and ask God to tell you not what he wants you to do, but what he wants from you. The husband was skeptical, but began asking God, what do you want? What do you want from me? I've been working for two years, visiting people, building a church, developing programs, all with very little to show. Tell me what you want from me. 
He later told his wife that God answered his prayer by saying, praise me. His wife said, well, you better listen and do it. And so for the next three months, the missionary began praising God for everything he could think of. He prayed the Psalms, told the local people of the greatness of God instead of trying to kind of bully them. He lived and breathed praise, and gradually he changed in his outlook. And others changed in their response to his message, and the mission work began to really grow. Regardless of our problems or difficulties, when we praise God, our focus shifts. As believers, we find strength rather than sink into despair. So we've learned that praise is different from thanksgiving, that praising God is not complimenting him to get what we want, nor does praise change him. And lastly, I want to say that praising God is difficult and that it is a practice that must be cultivated. Uh, this past week, I, I tried an experiment with myself. I confess that I'm not very good at giving compliments to people. So praise is a struggle for me. I mean, it really has to be a beautiful sweater that you're wearing before I notice <laughs> uh, or even say anything about it. And that's not a very good quality in me. So I would be driving along and be thinking about Psalm 145. And I would say, God, I praise you for your creation. I praise you for your mercy and goodness. I thank you for, and boom, two sentences, and I'm into thanks. Not that thanks is wrong, but God commands, he wants us to praise him. I would just say a few things and then lapse into thanking God for something that I had received. Keeping with just praising God for his attributes was hard. Uh, two weeks ago, I had a Bible study at one of our facilities, and I spoke on the first part of Psalm 147 about praising God. And at the end, I asked the 10 or so ladies who were there, what can you praise God for today? Now, this is a Presbyterian home. Most of those present had grown up in the church. And when I said, after I had spoken to them about what praise is and praising God, I said, now, what can you praise God for? And there was this silence. And finally, one lady quietly said, I thank him for my family, which is often the response that I get. I'm not, I'm not being critical, but I'm saying that we can learn to praise God. And in turn, that will change our outlook. When we come to the prayers of the people in our service, we usually have lots of prayer requests. And we have, you know, we have requests and then thanksgivings. And then usually we don't have praises. It's not because we don't want to do it. It's because we haven't learned to do it. We can practice praise 
by reciting psalms out loud until we learn what God wants to be praised for. It's all right there. God wants to be praised for his abundant goodness, for his mercy, for his wonderful works. Uh, in Psalm 145, verses 14 to 21 are the ones I often use in my hospice ministry. And because I've read them so often, I have many of the phrases memorized. So when I'm driving along and I see birds and deer and groundhogs, I say, you open wide your hand, Lord, and satisfy the needs of every living creature. Isn't that beautiful? That's just a beautiful phrase in the psalm. We can sing worship songs that praise God. Psalm 22.3 says God inhabits the praises of his people. We don't want to confuse praise with emotion, though. Outward emotion sometimes happens, but when it doesn't, we don't want to think that God is not there, that we have done something wrong. Genuine praise is what God desires. And when we fully give ourselves to praising God, he steps into our worship and works his power in us, which in turn automatically shines through us to the rest of the world. We want it to become a natural reaction to our relationship with God. And as a result, we are transformed. I worked for a few years in a jewelry store in Uniontown, not that far away. And uh, one of our customers was uh, an African-American pastor and his wife. The wife did all the shopping, and her husband just calmly stood by and waited while she looked around. So one day when I asked him, how are you doing, Pastor Amos? He replied, every day is an adventure with Jesus. It was an automatic, unforced. It wasn't meant to preach at me. He didn't say to me, I'm okay, are you going to heaven? <laughs> he, he just said every day is an adventure with Jesus. It just was a part of him and it came out of him. C.S. Lewis said, praise is inner health made audible. If our natural demeanor is to complain and criticize, it's hard to praise. We have to consciously incorporate praise into our lives. And with the way the world is going and may possibly go in the months and years ahead, having an attitude of praise will help carry us through dark times. Many medical and psychological studies have been done on the physical effects of giving praise and thanks. And to sum them up, our bodies and minds benefit in countless ways when we practice praise from getting better sleep, having more vitality, releasing toxic emotions, reducing pain, and actually having more gray matter in that those crucial parts of our brain. And so as you get older, you'll appreciate those benefits more. Uh, but having an attitude of praise can do amazing things for our emotional state as well as our physical state. So to sum up, praise is different from thanksgiving. Praising God is not buttering up God to get something we want. Praise does not change God, it changes us. And the habit of praise must be cultivated. 
I said at the beginning of the sermon that Psalm 145 is an acrostic with each verse beginning with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, but only 21 verses in Psalm 145. There is no verse beginning with the Hebrew letter nun, N-U-N, which would come between verses 13 and 14. Some scholars think the verse was lost due to due to a translation error. But one commentator sees the omission as deliberate. The letter noon in the Hebrew mind would be associated with the word fall or fail as a common word used in the Psalms. And by leaving out that particular letter, David intends for his readers to realize that God never fails another reason to praise him. And by the way, don't forget to praise your rector. (laughs) He needs it. You know, he needs those words of praise and encouragement. By By regularly praising others, we also get better at praising God. And as Psalm 145 concludes, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. On Friday a thief, on Sunday a king, lay down in grief, broke with the keys, fell on that day, firstborn of the slain, the man Jesus Christ. Pennsylvania.